and welcome to the latest episode of Rusted Junk, where we are looking at the 1988, dare I say it, comedy classic, The Naked Gun, starring Leslie Nielsen, Priscilla Presley, OJ Simpson, Simpson, I'll get that right, and Ricardo Montalban. Anyway, here's the trailer. In this city, there's crime on every street. But one man has seen enough. He's Lieutenant Frank Drebin. Whatever scum did this, not one man on this force will rest for one minute until he's behind bars. Now let's grab a bite to eat. He's a good cop who's having a bad day. His best friend... Everyone should have a friend like you. ...is in a coma. As soon as Nordberg is better... He's welcome back at police squad. But I wouldn't wait until the last minute to fill out those organ donor cards. His girlfriend (laughs) asked him to look her up. Nice beaver. Thank you. I just had it stuffed. Let me help you with that. And his city is in the hands of a master criminal with a sinister plan. I must kill the queen. How can any police story contain this much action? This much romance? I like cops. Or this much baseball? Starring Leslie Nielsen, a cop who's always on the alert. Mikhail Gorbachev. I knew it. Queen Elizabeth, everyone's favorite queen. Priscilla Presley. A woman who really cooks. How hot and wet do you like it? Ricardo Montalban. Frank. You're both right. George Kennedy, the partner with an appetite for danger. O.J. Simpson, as you've never seen him before. And Reggie Jackson in his first dramatic role. In a movie so big, it had to be filmed in color. The Naked Gun, from the files of Police Squad. See you then. Yeah, so, good trailer, you know, it just... It does does everything that you need it to. Tells you what you need. It it tells you the type of film that you're going to see, and it doesn't keep anything back. So, anyway, I love that. We are. It's how do how do we call it? Do we call you a seasoned veteran now? Do we call you like you know you've broken your cherry on the first podcast? You've done your second podcast. It's the third. Are you getting quite a quite a a knack for this now? Uh, I'm in the process of updating my LinkedIn profile to uh, have professional podcaster there. So I think maybe one more after this and I'll be ready to. Uh, ready to <laughs> and that for people not, not viewing and can't see him, the dulcet tones of Dom, of course, from uh, Nightmare on Elm Street and Real Genius fame um, and Die Hard fame. So, of course, Die Hard. There was me thinking this is your fourth, this is your fourth one. So that you, you're ready. You're ready to go. Um. Before we get into the film, before we get the reasons why we chose the film, I need to make an apology to to listeners. Uh, <clears throat> I gave uh, Beverly Hills Cop uh, an uh, an eight, or I gave it a nine. Sorry, I gave it a nine, but I said that uh, Beverly Hills Cop two was better, 
Uh, we did, Amanda and I did what we did with Lethal Weapon. We went and watched Beverly Hills Cop 2, two a couple of days later. Uh, I need to make a retraction. Be- Beverly Hills Cop is the better film. Beverly Hills Cop 2 is an eight. It just, I don't know what you think about that. I'm just surprised you with that because I didn't tell you we were going to do that. But ha- happy memories of Beverly Hills Cop? Uh, yeah, uh, definitely. And, and it did make me raise my eyebrows when you express your preference for the second one first time yeah. around. So I'm not not totally shocked to hear you recant that. I mean, they're both very good films, particularly the first, but definitely either would be um, an excellent way to spend an evening watching them. Yeah. I think you're right about, because there was a similar conversation, wasn't there, about Lethal Weapon yeah. and Lethal Weapon 2. And on, on that side of the debate, I probably would come down on Lethal Weapon too so you know yeah. sometimes the sequel is is better yeah definitely definitely um it was more polished you know it was a pardon me it was a you know it was a tony scott film it was one of you know it was like days of thunder and top gun it had that sort of shine to it so yeah uh, i was i was mistaken i won't do that again um we won't discuss the other naked guns. Well, we can discuss the naked guns whether or not we think they're better. Um, as it, as ever, I always go last in this. Um, I was going to say, what what is your scores? Uh, but before we get to the scores, the reason we've chose Naked Gun is because we were going to do Police Academy, um, and then we thought, do you know what? Let's just do both. In fact, we might end up doing three because I think this is going to be a long season. I think there are a lot of films to choose from. Um, in in this you know we've got things coming up like robocop uh we've got a a british film i know <laughs> i know i'm sorry our first one since a fish called wonder uh way way back now um but yeah so i think we'll just do them both because amanda doesn't want to watch either of them naked gun gets on her nerves according to her um she actually closed the door to the kitchen when i was watching it in the lounge because she didn't even want to hear it don't know what she's got against it because uh you're about to give you score, Dom, and, and hopefully, well, well just, oh. just before I do that, I think that that point you raised, you don't want to over-intellectualise a film like Naked Gun, that's not no. what it's about, and that's not no. what the audience is uh, waiting for, but maybe there is something about the different way that, I don't know, men and women, perhaps it's as simple as that, or different people consume this film, because perhaps it is a bit polarising. I watched it with my daughter, I think I mentioned her in the last pod, Isabelle, who watched Die Hard with me, I'd never seen it before, and absolutely loved it. Yeah, she's through the first twenty minutes of Naked Gun. Didn't laugh once and left. Oh no! Uh, I know, I know. Um, with, Is it? It but, can't be a. It can't be a gen. It, well, I mean, it can't be as a, a gender thing. But I, I don't think it's as simple as that. But I reckon if you a hundred people, you know, um, <laughs> and eighty percent loved it, twenty percent hated it. I think, I think there would be a gender divide along those lines. That, that's my prediction. But um, okay. I haven't got any sites to back that up. <laughs> so perhaps you, should, perhaps you should move on to the scoring, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. So, what did you think? So, Score? for me, yeah, absolute belting film, and I am going to use the full scale and give it a 10. That's Whoa. my... Uh, okay. yeah, it's a 10 out of 10, because what else do you want from a comedy? I thought it's, it's hilarious. It's absolutely bursting with jokes and gags, and I think it's the sort of film that can benefit from being watched two or three times to make sure you pick up on everything that's um, going on. Yeah. And, and I think it's famous as a, as a, as a joke, as a gag filled film, but actually watching it with a more critical eye for this pod. Um, I think it's other things that are really in its favor. I think the casting is brilliant. I think that the, the writing is to a really high standard, but the visuals are, are great as well. And, and I think it's a film that really 
cares about its audience. It'd be kind of easy to patronise it and say it's just slapstick or parody. And of course, there are elements of that. But actually, I think that the cast and the director and directors uh, really care about the audience. And it's just, for me, a collection of people at the absolute top of their game. And I thought it was uh, it's a classic comedy, one of my absolute favourites from the 80s or any decade, and therefore mm. for me, a, a 10 out of 10. Yeah, see, I, I was playing with a nine, but then I just went, I, I think you summed it up perfectly. Uh, I think, what 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 do you want from a comedy? Do you want do you want a comedy to make you laugh? Do you want a comedy that you need to think about? And, you know, the laughs come. There's a gag in this every nine seconds. Um, so if one doesn't hit, the next one is coming along very, very soon. You know, there, and, you know, because there are some, you know, times when there aren't any gags, then it means there's more to pack in. So I, I really do think that there's an art form to this. Started with Airplane, um, which is obviously Leslie Nielsen was in Airplane 2, which I think has one of my all-time favourite sight gags ever with William Shatner. Um, those who know will know exactly what I mean uh, by that. Um, and then you've got my absolute favourite, uh, of which listeners to the previous podcast will know when I say top secret, Amanda goes, well, I only like it because you like it so much. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> when, did, when did this happen? Um, otherwise, you'd, she'd love back to school, but it doesn't work that way. Um, top, you know, I mean, we will cover top secret at some point, but uh, spoiler alert, listeners, that's a 10 out of 10 for me too, because that gives me exactly, it, it gives me exactly what I want and it hits all the right notes. In some ways, it probably hits more notes because I've got more memories of top secret than, than this, than this, but you, there's, there's nothing that, that I would want to change about this film. There was nothing that I'd say it would work better. I give it an eight because of this. There is nothing. It's, it's, <clears throat> it's, it's, it's a classic. And, and one of the things that I did just before, just before I came on was to have a look at, you know, the, the great, the great comedies of the eighties and the great comedies of the nineties. Um, you know, you've got vac- in the 80s, you've got Vacation, Trading Places, Caddyshack. These are all in the top 10. Caddyshack is, a, is the third highest rated comedy of the 80s on IMDb. And yet most people would not have even heard of it. And Mandy won't watch it because it's got Rodney Dangerfield in. And she went, I never want to see that man ever again. That's a bit of a shame. Ghostbusters, Police Academy, Goonies, Beverly Hills Cop, Planes, Trains and Automobiles. You know, we- we're spoiled. The Golden Child, Coming to America. You know, okay, maybe not the golden child, but yeah, but coming to America, the nineties still carries it on. You still got hot shots. You still got a Zucker films, got Groundhog Day, Wayne's World. So I married an ex murderer, which you, if you haven't seen, you really could need to go and see. We really need to get it from somewhere. Dumb and Dumber, Austin Powers, Gross Point Blank. We're, we're, we're spoiled, but this is, this is a film which says in order for us to be funny, we have to play it straight. We, we, we can't let the audience know that we're in on the joke. We have to play it straight. And I think it's all the more funnier for it. Well, I, I think uh, the, word, you know, the, the way I would put it would be deadpan. I think if you look up deadpan in the dictionary, there's a, mm. there's a picture of Leslie Nielsen <laughs> in, in, this, in this film, isn't there? Or, or George Kennedy, perhaps. Um, yeah, I mean, really at the top of their yeah. game. I'll, I'll let you finish your, your scoring, because I don't think I've actually heard the score yet. Oh, it's 10. No, no, I agreed with you. It's 10. Gotcha. Can't, okay. Can't, can't fault it. The, the only so we both give it ten. So yeah, you know, but I think I think the only things that were on the back of my mind is whether I scored it a ten or not. One was 
I think through American eyes, this film probably is even richer because that whole kind of baseball scene at the end, which we'll come to, which is obviously quite an extended scene, I think is even probably more amusing and funny if you kind of know some of the people and the personalities involved. So there's yeah. maybe that. And then I just thought a little bit like your conversation about um, Beverly Hills Cop and Beverly Hills Cop 2, I've downscored it because the other one exists. I just wonder, do I prefer Airplane to Naked Gun if I had to choose? Um I think I possibly well, do. You're, you're allowed to, you're not going to offend anyone. I'm choosing Top Secret over this, but they're both 10. Yeah, I think Top Secret is less a scene, isn't it? And certainly by me, I mean, uh, it's been, Naked Gun I probably see every couple of years anyway, right. let alone when I'm preparing for a pod. But yeah, been a while since I saw that. But I think Airplane is, is also a 10, which is better. Yeah. Well, aren't we lucky to have the choice of two brilliant films, I think? <laughs> I can't invite you. Well, no, I can't invite myself on then by that criteria. I can't invite you on if we already know the scores for for what we're going to give. But okay, okay, okay. All right. Well, let's let's relish then a, a film that we both really enjoyed. Uh, hopefully, that's still interesting for your listener rather than us <laughs> debating and bickering between ourselves. <laughs> Absolutely. Anyway, um, I think it's. Do you know what? I think it's just the time. There's there's loads of things to get in. Um, I think it's time to go on. Time to go to roll call. What do you reckon? I'm particularly looking forward to it. I think it's really going to be a really rich roll call this time around. That's so great. Have you, have you come prepared as well? I've got some notes on roll call, yeah. Wonderful. See, right. I know you'd listen to this, Amanda. I know that you listen to the episodes that you're not on. But this is this is preparation, okay? You, you're going <laughs> to... You know when we talk about that thing about the thing? Yeah. You're about to well, find yeah. out. If, if I'm prepared, it's only because I want to do such a good job as, as Amanda. So I think she's she's a, an integral, wonderful part of this pod. And uh... she is, she is. But through, just through her sheer snobbery of uh, not wanting to to cover a film that's uh, as funny as this, then well, she misses out, and we 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 get all the luck. Anyway, here we go. Here's Rockle. Rockle. So we can't not start with Leslie Nielsen. What have you got? I mean, at this point, I would normally go, you know, some, give me some, you know, if anyone else was here or Joe, if it was Joe or Amanda, then I'd say, what about Leslie Nielsen? You go, mm, probably police squad one, two, and three. Apologies, yeah, Joe, I mean, if you I, wouldn't. I, I, I have got some of the things he was in, but I'll confess I had to look it up. There was none that sprang to mind. Apart Did you, from some well, of the- what didn't spring, what, what sprung to mind that you didn't have to look up? Well, I mean, apart from the, the obvious ones that we're doing now and, and mm. the TV series Police Squad, then it was the the lesser comedies that he did for money, presumably in the 2000s. So there was um, Repossessed, wasn't there? And films yeah. of that ill, um, Dra- <laughs> the, Dra- the Dracula parody that he did as well. So Dracula um, dead yeah. and loving it, yeah. Yeah, so if, so if anybody thinks it's easy to write films like Naked Gun, I'd point to the counter evidence, which is there's a whole uh, versions of kind of rip-off or very similar films, which are nowhere near as as good or as enjoyable. Yeah, and so I, re- I remembered him from a few of those. Starring the same, I mean, starring the same actor as well. And it just shows it's the writing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. 100%. Uh, I mean, this evolved from the 1982 um, cancelled after one season police squad, which if you haven't seen it is, uh, it's wonderful. Um, it, it, it will, it won't give you as, it's not as rapid fire as the film. But it's definitely great. I, you know, um, I prefer the sidekick. Um, it's Alan North that plays the the character that um, George Kennedy plays in this. Um, but yeah, I just police police squad. I watched after this, so I wasn't aware. So I went to watch the Naked Gun and then went back and watched Police Squad. 
Um, I also <laughs> remember him from a short uh, in Creep in Creep Show, the movie. Um, he played a guy who's uh, entices his wife's lover to a beach and buries him up to his head in the sand, and there's a clock and there's all sorts of things going on. And he plays a real evil character in that. And I thought that's quite a good, a good, good mix. Anyway, what were you going to say? Yeah, I um so. Oh, so, no, sorry, I lost my train of thought there, but I was going to say, yeah, so obviously best best known for this. Um, I think in Police Squad, you said you watched it the other way round. Mm. I think Naked Gun benefits if you have seen Police Squad first because there are some running jokes from Police Squad that make it into Naked Gun, and if you're a fan, you can kind of mm. pick up and spot those in the opening credits where there's probably the police car, the, uh, the kind of James Bond Q, uh, mad scientist type. Yeah, yeah. And, and Al, you've got something on the side of your mouth. Yeah, exactly. These running running and recurring jokes, which I think uh, give it another layer of richness. So, yeah, yeah. He, was, he was fantastic in that. And, of course, he was in Airplane himself, wasn't he? Although That's a right. minor character in that. Absolutely. Dr. Rumack, um, which everyone goes, oh, surely, you know, I am serious, don't call me Shirley. But, yeah. Um, you're right. Yeah. I mean, I think we've covered most of them. He was in also something called Spy Hard. He was in Mr. Magoo. They made a film adaptation of that. If you got that without looking, then you would have guessed spot on this because I would never have, I would never have remembered Mr. Magoo. <clears throat> Certainly I would never have remembered him in 2001, A Space Travesty. Worth watching just for the title. I thought, uh, yeah. Well, but, uh, yeah. what? <laughs> what? Uh, and Scary Movie 3 and 4. Uh, sadly, he died in uh, 2010, aged 84. Um, I mean, when you put him on the... If, if you put a picture of him and say Leslie Nielsen, it, it's testament to how well well played and well-loved that character is that they just go, it's, it's Frank Drebin. Because no, if, if you put Harrison Ford up, people would... I mean, Harrison Ford's got you know a luxury of being able to say... People will say, it's Deckard from Blade Runner, most likely they'll say Han Solo from Star Wars or Indiana Jones, um, any number of things um, from, from his point of view. But I just think it's a character that I think people really love. So, Yeah, and actually when I was preparing for this pod and I looked at his Wikipedia and IMDb pages and you see a photo of him when he was younger, it's almost quite jarring not to see him as this white-haired, familiar face from Naked yes. Gun. He was a good-looking guy and he was quite mm. a successful actor in film and to me, no, no kind of, blockbuster hits or anything but um you know i think he was in 100 odd films and he was he was in one of my favorite sci-fi i mean one of my top 10 sci-fi films of all time uh forbidden planet he plays the commander in forbidden planet and he's he's incredible in that i mean that that whole film is incredible and i I read an interview with him where he said that actually you know some people have been a bit sniffy or a bit critical of his choice to move into comedy but he was actually saying that you know basically the first Two thirds, three quarters of his career had actually been building up to that, and it felt that comedy kind of released him. So these were roles mm. he was born to play, which I thought was interesting. Absolutely. I mean, where you'd fit in the top ten, you know, funniest people, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, that may be a conversation. Uh, we might have a special on that. Um, you know, it might be something that we, uh, you know, that we cover at some point. I think he's got a good shout. I mean, again, I'd put. Steve Martin. Steve Martin gets in there instantly, for me. Um, uh, Val Kilmer. <laughs> I'm biased. See, look, I'm just trying to shoehorn it in. I don't mean that. There are other more deserving characters. Um, not a lot for Priscilla Presley, hey? No, but she is one of two um, people, two actors in this film who 
have a more interesting life outside of uh, Naked Gun than uh, than their absolutely you know, admittedly important part of making this film successful. So this is the more light-hearted <laughs> one of that particular <laughs> duo. So yeah, to be fair, Celeste, I thought she um, she had some potential, and she, in fact, she demonstrated some capability as a comic actress. Uh, yes. So fair play to her; she wasn't a a cameo shoehorned into this because as you'll no doubt share with us she didn't have a, a rich and varied film career did she um, not really but, but perhaps she ought to have explored comedy a bit more because i thought she i thought she handled herself well and did a good account yeah i think she did i mean she she shows that it's not just a flash in the pan in two and three you know it, it carries on uh three is probably probably far more commercial it almost felt like yeah stop at three we don't think three is a bad film but stop at three um uh, she was Jenna Wade in Dallas, so Dallas Dynasty, the Colbys, all of that was required viewing in the Hunter household growing up when I wasn't watching films. <laughs> when we weren't sat down at aged, crikey, how long, how old must have been? Eight, watching The Life of Brian and and, thing, <laughs> and Dave Allen and things like that. And I just like thinking, it's made me the man I am today. So yeah, thanks parents. But I've got to, I've got to point out, you probably scanned the, the um, Priscilla Presley's a uh, very short uh, acting uh, career. There is one film in there that I need to point out, and it's The Adventures of Ford Fairlane. Because, well, I, I don't, I, I need to mention it. I don't know how to describe it. Andrew Dice Clay is the lead character in it. Um, and he is very much Marmite. You, there is no gray area with him. You either think he's incredibly funny or you think he's a despicable human being that has no regard for anyone but himself. Um, I think he's incredibly funny. Uh, I can't describe the film. I, uh, you need to watch it. She plays the, she plays it for laughs, but she's the anti character in this. Um, it's great. It, it's got so many stars in it. I don't know where to start, but it's just, it, it's, it's one to watch the adventures no. of Ford Fairlane. If it didn't, if it was at 89, we would have covered it by now because it's one of my favourite guilty pleasures. So, suddenly my research with Priscilla Presley fell short when it came to her film career because I got distracted by her love life. So, I mean, apart from obviously being married to Elvis, living at Graceland and having, you know, all the shenanigans with Colonel Tom Parker, you know, she was also romantically linked with Terry O'Neill, Robert Cardassian, Julio Iglesias, Richard Gere, Tom Jones, a bit more randomly, Nigel Lithgow, incredibly randomly, Toby Anstis, for anybody who knows their British TV. Nigel Lithgow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy that yeah. used to be on Pop Idol. <laughs> yeah, British television executive, let's describe him as that. But yeah, but, <laughs> it's interesting that you picked what? up on that rather than Toby Anstis. Did you, perhaps oh, God, yeah, sorry. I know we've got one listener in Germany, right, because I can <laughs> see where everyone's listening. I, I, I apologise. Well, you probably might have a better idea of knowing who Toby Anstis is than any of our US listeners which are sitting there going, well, if you uh, thank you for the acknowledgement that you don't follow baseball and it might work better in the States, but <laughs> thanks for Toby, Toby Ansis. <laughs> we could do a whole show on Toby Ansis and his, his, uh, oh no, who's it? Who is it that likes um, basements? Let's just leave it at that. Is that Toby Ansis or is that <laughs> Jamie? I, I don't know where you've gone with this, but all I'm <laughs> saying, <laughs> well, Priscilla Presley uh, would make a brilliant dinner party guest where she could just uh, wax lyrical about um, her. Absolutely. Her yeah. Life. yeah. Definitely. All right. Okay. Um, I think it's Jamie. I think it's Jamie Theakston, by the way. Right. So just look, look up Jamie Theakston and Dungeons and then you take it from there. 
Um, I don't know how we got onto that, but let's go from from one. Uh, uh, I was going to say one bad behaviour to the next. OJ Simpson, everyone, um, <laughs> the juice. Yeah, Phil uh, Greer pits into Peter Arthur around 1994. <laughs> I, I why? Why? Um, he was involved in a lavish production in Vegas, for which he got arrested. But uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that was necessarily wanted that his name attached to that. Um, yeah, we don't really talk about that. I think I, I, do you know what? While we're here, if we got to, we can't acknowledge him. He's not one of the biggest. You know, he is a big character in this film, um, and he's very funny in this film. I mean, he, you know, I know there are you know some very 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 dodgy things. I would watch The People versus O.J. Simpson because I thought that was quite good. If you want to know a bit more about it, by all means, start there. Um, he was also in a film called The Cassandra Crossing, which is all about quarantine of a particular a particular virus. And I, I, I do remember him in that, um, but that was late 70s, uh, late 70s or early 80s. Um, yeah, O.J. I, I did remember him from a film, Unprompted. By okay. Which I remember him being in Capricorn 1. I don't know if you recall his role in that it's a long time since i've seen that i don't i don't really remember it what was that what was that yeah, about no, well <laughs> i wasn't prepared for follow-up questions oh. I, remember <laughs> it, I, I literally remember him in it you know whether it was good bad or indifferent i, I couldn't really say but yeah that, that's me clearly on to uh, <laughs> like Boris johnson in parliament can, can we ask you another question about it uh no <laughs> i remember him being in it there we go that's my contribution to this debate <laughs> now i can't I can't do this justice. Whenever we so, so to move on to the next character, Ricardo Montalban, um, I can't do this justice. A lot of these actors, when you look at them, and I know I've come up with a, a thing for it, was just stuff. They've been in MASH. They've been in The Love Boat. They've been in Harcastle and McCormick. If you haven't watched that, please do, because it's brilliant. Um, you know, they've been in things. Um, and Ricardo Montalban's been in loads of things. Um, did you, uh, what did you remember remember him as without having to look up yeah, i i remember him being in star trek that um yeah. and th- that that was the only one which i know is a bit of a an omission because he was also very prominent in uh, planet of the apes as well wasn't he but I, mm. you know if, if i'm being honest yeah i remember him being in star trek uh two isn't it i think um star trek two he played khan yeah we both oh. worked IT. that should be that should come naturally to me to, to be able to detail his uh yeah, where he's in the Star Trek universe. But yeah, so I remember him in Star Trek. Do you know about Fantasy Island, which again was in the Hunter household? The plane, uh, boss, the plane. Yeah, well, as soon as, soon as I started researching then, of, of course, you know, I saw that image with the um, other actor uh, whose name escapes me. Oh, now, see, this is bad because it feels like a like a crossfire. I'm asking you questions and you're asking me questions I should know. Oh, he had a great name. He's in The Man with the Golden Gun. Oh. Yeah. All right, I failed that test. Um, uh, he was also in the Colbys, uh, so he's very good in the Colbys, Stephanie Beecham, uh, and, and Spy Kids 2 and 3, but not 1. And reason why is because he played the grandfather, and obviously they needed to do something else with Spy Kids 2 and 3. Uh, 1 wasn't bad, as far as I remember. I mean, he uh, had like he had leading man looks, didn't he? You know, he's very good. Oh, he did, absolutely. Guy, and, and he was never like a top tier real box office star in the US, but I gather he was a you know real star in Mexican film and then he did make, you know, he played some prominent roles in some profitable films and it looked like he had a very happy, successful film career really. And uh mm. and, and I thought he he played himself not sorry played himself. I thought he, he came across well in this um film Naked Gun as well. So this is yeah. uh, 
That's he plays it perfectly. Yeah, you're right. Uh, you've got George Kennedy as the uh, the psychic. He was also in Dallas. Uh, he played Carter McKay in Dallas. He cut his uh, acting chops on the Phil Silver show. Um, famously, he was probably in Earthquake. I would say his most famous film. What, what have you got, Don? This is the one I've been waiting for because normally I have to I have to shoehorn in an Oscars reference, don't I? You know, and, and <laughs> in Die Hard, it was pretty tenuous. However, George Kennedy himself won an Oscar, so it was easy this time round. Um, okay. So yeah, so he won Best Supporting Actor for did he win it for um, Cool Hand Luke? Oh, of course. Tagline, yeah. Yeah, so that was pretty, uh, pretty special. But it was a when I was when I was looking into this because you know I like to see what's going on. Um, it was a funny year for Oscars. It was fortieth. So what would that be? Um, Cool Hand Luke, sixty six, sixty seven, something like that. Sixty seven. Yeah, probably say yeah. Yeah. So he beat um, John Cassavetes for the Dirty Dozen, Gene, Gene Hackman for Bonnie and Clyde, uh, Michael Pollard for Bonnie and Clyde. Maybe it split the Bonnie and Clyde vote. I don't know. And Cecil Kellaway for Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. They, they were the people he's up against. And George Kennedy walked away with the Oscar for Cool Hand. Wow. So yeah, fair, hey. fair play. And that wasn't a. Um, a one-off shot at glory either he also got um golden globe for airport so you know he wasn't the first time he was nominated for a prominent award but going back to the what was it what did we say 67 oscars hmm. so i'm going to read out the best picture nominees and you tell me what you think should have won and i'll tell you what did win okay, okay so i should have got prepared for this because i know best, you, you, yeah. best picture the graduate guess who's coming to dinner in the heat of the night Bonnie and Clyde, Dr. Doolittle. Okay, it's not the final three, so it's between the top two. Guess who's coming to dinner and the graduate? Mm-hmm. It was the graduate. It was in the heat of the night. So What? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I won't do them all. I'll just do best actor and best actress as well. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, I like this. All right. Okay, so here's your best actor uh, nomination. So Paul Newman, Cool Hand Luke. Spencer Tracy, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Dustin Hoffman, The Graduate. Warren Beatty, Bonnie and Clyde. Rod Steiger in the heat of the night. Ooh. So that's Spencer Tracy, Paul Newman, Dustin Hoffman. Warren I'm thinking that goes Spencer Tracy, but I'm going to go obvious. I'm going to go Warren Beatty. I think if I gave you five guesses, it'd be the fifth one. Rod Steiger somehow. <laughs> the one what? that people really remember. Yeah, all those okay. Hollywood figures. Yeah, okay. Right, so uh, before you say it, best actress, the one that was in, in the heat of the night. <laughs> Uh, that didn't know she can't be very good, she didn't get nominated. So, it was okay. So, there's some big hitters in here Audrey Hepburn, Wait Until Dark, Edith, well, Edith Evans, The Whisperers, Faye Dunaway, Bonnie and Clyde, Anne Bancroft, The Graduate, or Catherine Hepburn, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Uh, it's a, that's an easy one, Anne Bancroft. <laughs> so, you see, that, and I could go on, but I won't bore our listeners with the <laughs> no, no, I think they might like. Hey, if you like, if you like this, by the way, every, then Don will have to do this every time he comes on. So, I want my own jingle. I want my own jingle. Yeah, uh, but anyway, for completeness, <laughs> it was no, it was Catherine Hepburn, guess who's coming to dinner. Yeah. So, the whole the whole uh selection hasn't stood, stood the test of time, I'm afraid. Oh, dear. Oh, well, never mind. Um. The rest of the roll call I have is Lawrence. See, there's times when you watch a film and then you go, whoa, 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 in the background. That's um, Thingy from Thingy. Lawrence Tierney. 
Um, he's down as angel manager. Manager, well, oh, the, the baseball team. Yeah, is Joe in Reservoir Dogs? Huh? In the guy that organised the, the 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 fat ball guy that organises Mister Pink, Mister Blonde. Oh yeah, yeah, it's yeah. him. And I was like, that's Lawrence Cierney. So yeah, I had to look it up. Um, uh, Nancy Marchand, she played the mayor. Uh, she was uh, Tony Soprano's mum, Livia Soprano, in The Sopranos. Um, Joe Joe Gorofsky, Joe 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 Gorofsky. I think I've got that right. Weirdly, he's one of those characters where you look at him. He was in Bruce's Millions. He was the cameraman. He was the person who was taking pictures, and Richard Pryor hires him as the cameraman. Ten thousand dollars a week. Um, splash chances are moonstruck again one of those people that go oh yeah 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 he's in it um th- i'm gonna leave the best till last i've got this is the penultimate one jesse ventura is down as baseball announcer uncredited um and obviously for those people that like their 80s movies um he was jesse the body ventura the wrestler he was in the running man but more more uh uh, more famously, he was Blaine in Predator, uh, the cowboy cow. Oh, what a character that is. What a character they all are in Predator. Oh, God. When we do, in fact, you know what? You'll all forget this. All, all the people that are listening will forget this. Predator is a 10 out of 10 film. There is nothing wrong with Predator. There is nothing at all wrong with Predator. But anyway, um, the best to last. Are you ready? Weird Al Yankovic. Now, the story goes. And this has been uh, cross-referenced this three times, so it's true. He took his dates to see the naked... He took girls he wanted to get with to see the naked gun and didn't tell them he was in the movie, but he wore the exact same shirt that he has when he gets off the plane. And he said it worked every time. I just think in this sea of people, you know, Watching their, I was about, won't go into a big diatribe about it. Watching their P's and Q's and things like that. I just love stories like that. I just think, well, good on you, mate. <laughs> you know? No, no. Well, that, that's um, fantastic uh, spot for roll call and fantastic uh, story there. I've just got one more before we move on. Oh, okay. Um, I don't suppose you recognise the, the driving instructor. And full disclosure, I didn't. This was research. Oh, yes. Yeah, sorry, John Halesman, wasn't it? Yeah. Who's yeah, the, I mean, who's the, the the reader from reading Scrooge? in Scrooged. Yeah, but bigger than that, I mean, he's like a legend of theatre, film, television. He's a collaborator with uh, Orson Welles. He's had films made about him personally. So, you know, he's a big, okay. I mean, not a big star in the 1980s <clears throat> brash film sense, but he's yeah. you know, a, a 1950s probably in 60s. Uh, but now he was at one point a very prominent actor and, uh, you know, a very rich <clears throat> CV that includes a lot of Shakespearean stuff. And here he is popping up in a... <laughs> Cameo. I'm delivering his lines very, very well. Actually. Very well, exactly. And here's me just reduced a, you know, wonderful thespian, the character actor, you know, on the stage at the RSC and the Globe, and all of that. And I've just reduced in. Oh, he played a great driving instructor in The Naked Gun. Um, it's probably akin to saying, yeah, you know, Richard Harris did do some good films like A Man, Orca, A, a Man Called Horse, and things like that. But God, wasn't he good as Dumbledore? But you know. He was. I mean, there's no going. Well, we're not going into it now. But he's far better Dumbledore than. Um, oh, who's the person that plays Dumbledore in the later ones? It is. 
I know you're all screaming at the radio. Now. Radio, radio. It's me thinking that you're listening to it on a wireless or something. On your podcast, sorry, on your on your buds, on your Apple podcast. Michael Gambon. Yeah, he's better. Anyway. Yeah, you bailed us out there, Charles. Yeah. Thank you. Good. Otherwise, it would have been very, very uh, awkward. To the film. I think, I don't know how we do this. See, we discussed this beforehand, how we we're going to do it. We came up with our top 10 lines. Um. The plot, the, there is a plot to the Naked Gun. There is a way that we could do it, and we'll go. You know, we'll we'll cover a little bit and then talk about what it is. But you look at any any of the naysayers that go, oh, you know what? It's not really that funny. You go and have a look at the 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 films of the Zucker Brothers, and have a look at the scores that they get. This got eighty eight critic review and eighty four viewer review. We're we're pretty much there. We're pretty much with everyone else. Um, I've, I'd I'd find it hard to to justify anything anything less than that. Um, anyway, we open up in Beirut. That's where the film starts. Um, so we've got a a meeting of people. You have Castro, Arafat. Uh, did you get the others? There were Idi Amin was there. Yeah, Idi Amin, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gorbachev. Yaya Tola. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, Drebin, falls, Drebin falls the plot of these these people that wanted to rain terror down on the West. Um, he he then, as he falls the plot, he then you then see him return back to the States. He then gets off the plane. Uh, we've got that moment with Weird Al. Unfortunately, sadly, his, girl, his uh, girlfriend has split up with him. He's uh, run off with somebody else. Um, and he's back at... Um, He's back at police squad. Um, but just before he gets to police squad, you see Nordberg. So OJ Simpson is uh, listening in, doing a stakeout on a, uh, um, on a uh, boat. Yeah, uh, I, thought, I, thought, I, I thought OJ was well cast stalking around in the dark. <laughs> so with gloves, with gloves on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he manages to foil a, uh, well, he manages to try and foil it. Unfortunately, he doesn't. He gets himself shot. Um, by Ricardo Montalban, who's who you get to see very early on. So, what do we think of the first part of the film? What do we think of the opener, and then what comes from that? Oh, I think it's a strong opening, yes. and and you know, something that, that maintains its pace and momentum throughout throughout the film. That you know, sometimes you see comedies where the writers use up all the best gags in the first twenty minutes, and there's a, you know, if you see this for the first time, maybe you might have that that concern. But yeah, the what, what I love about the opening bit in Beirut is. They're all plotting the overthrow of America and criticizing something horrible about the, the great Satan. And, and there's this um, heavily uh, covered figure serving tea in the background, who's eventually, when the insults get to a crescendo, that America's hand starts to shake on the kettle because he just can't take it anymore. And that's when Kevin <laughs> reveals himself. And I just thought, little details like that, he's clearly <laughs> listening to it and he just can't take it anymore. So he, he explodes and then, um, yeah, an absurd fight scenes. It's but 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 if you don't laugh at him grabbing Gorbachev's head and rubbing rubbing the uh, birthmark on his head and it comes off and going, I knew it. Then... <laughs> or, or, or when he's getting the Ayatollah, uh, is um, probably a religious term, but his head covering headscarf comes off and he's revealed to have a is it an orange Mohican that he's got under there? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I can't remember the outrage. If there was outrage at the time, I'd probably not because everyone probably treated it like a joke um do you remember that dom do you remember when people just treated things as a joke 
Oh, I, I remember when there weren't too many things you couldn't satirize and um, poke absolutely. Fun at. Uh, uh, we we might even be in trouble for doing that. So anyway, look, it's a film. We're just describing it. Um, I think it is. I think that is good. Who are you? I'm Lieutenant Frank Drebin, Police Squad. Wonderful, wonderful. But then the coming off the plane, I love the Weird Al moment. You know, he's told his girlfriend to split up with him. He goes straight to the podium and thinks it's for him. Well, all of this is, you know, meaningless, meaningless. They're not here for you, Frank. Yeah, well, it's, yeah but it, and we talked before this pod, Charles, about our favourite lines. Yeah, from okay. Well, I think we'll do them as we go on then, yeah, okay. Oh, okay, well, it, it, yeah. however you want to play it, but there's that one where he's trying to console Frank and he's telling him to put her out of your mind, don't torture yourself. And, and Frank says, well, what about the new guy? What do you know about him? Ed? <laughs> Not much, just that he's an Olympic gymnast and it's the best set she's ever had. <laughs> yeah, that'll help him not torture himself. <laughs> yeah, great line. Meanwhile, my, my, one of my favourite lines is, I keep trying, I try to put it out of my mind, but everywhere it looks, it reminds me of her. And there's, the, there's those domes. <laughs> I just say, well, if, if you're not in it by then, then you're going to have a hard time getting, to, getting into it. Um, but... We've got. We've also got the opening, as he suggested. If you'd watched Police Squad, you know how these things open. Um, it goes on the pavement, goes through a car wash. It's a very. It's an easy gag. You just put a car, you know, a car thing in front of a, and send send it through a green screen, you know, and it looks it looks perfect. Goes through a changing room, a roller coaster, and ends up neatly at a donut shop. Um, I do remember Nick Gun Two and a Half having uh, Jar Jar Gabor at the end and she steps out of a car um hits hits it on the thing and goes flipping heck <laughs> um, just everywhere i go the police will leave me alone because she was famously arrested the year before the film so yeah i do i do like the fact that it can be updated on that um the norberg bit so the foot through the door <laughs> it's just it's great because you've got you've got a, a you, there's, t- there's two standout slapstick moments in this film. One of which is where he goes to Victor um, Victor Ludwig's uh, apartment, which is beautifully played. But the other one is Norberg getting shot and then all the things that happen to him. Do you remember what happens to him? Yeah, there are a series that he gets, he gets shot multiple times after pulling a gun on a heavily armed gang. One of them drops it and then <laughs> shamefacedly picks it back up. But yeah, what is he? He burns his hand on a stove, doesn't he? He, um, <laughs> uh, what else is there? They get they get increasingly absurd as well, don't they? The uh, the the mishaps that come despite having eight paint, or nine the wet paint, yeah, <laughs> uh, trapping yeah. his fingers, tracking his fingers through the door. <laughs> the fa- the fa- slapstick bit, the face in a the face in a cake. <laughs> it's just, and then he steps in the bear trap and it goes over the side of the boat, presumed dead. Um, at that, so. Yeah, so well, it's, it's a it's a grim diagnosis, isn't it? Because uh, you know he's got a fifty fifty chance of living, but there's only a ten percent ten percent chance that was going to be one of my that's oh, one of my lines. I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you do the next few lines. <laughs> um, so yeah, so the, there's plenty of sight gags. We, we can't go through each and every one of them. I I'd listened to another couple of podcasts, and one of my in fact one of my favorite favorite movie podcasts that I listen to, uh, Shut the Movies. They are they covered the naked gun two weeks ago um, and unanimously gave it 
you know, nine and a half. They, they, they do a different scoring rating to us, but it was definitely ends up in the top 20 of the 300 that they've reviewed. Um, you can't go through each and every gag, but you've got, so they go, they, they go and visit Nordberg in hospital. And that's, this is a great, this is a great scene. You've got the wife who's distraught and everything is because as you say, the deadpan delivery means it works perfectly. Um, I think the favourite bit was where Nordberg is trying to say the name of the ship is I love you. Um, and it's like, he knows that they're smuggling heroin and he's going, drugs, drugs, whispering in his ear. And he goes, well, yeah, okay. I, yeah, heroin. Well, you might, you might have to give me a few more days on that one. You're like, oh, so who, who, who thinks of this and who writes this? It's so obvious to write. But nobody had, nobody had, you know, come up with, with something like this. I just, I just love it. What, what about uh, his delivery to the wife? Yeah, well, when the answer is very matter of factly, who could have done it? Is that is that the senior authority? So, what does he go through? Gay lover, angry husband, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to increasingly distraught sobs from her. Yeah, absolutely. And he's he's welcome back at uh, when he's back at his feet. He's welcome back at police squad any time. Unless it's a truly vegetable. <laughs> but that's just common sense, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. That's brilliant. Um, cut to the fact that uh, Drebin has been uh, tasked by the mayor um, to... <laughs> and again, who comes... I mean, the plot of the Queen coming to this, you know, visiting America, but coming to, coming to this town, coming to this place, go and see a baseball game. I just think is is genius, but police squad have been put in charge in it. So is Frank, his radio mic doesn't work. Um, he steals somebody else's. Um, <laughs> uh, what did we like the line? No matter how silly we think the idea of having a queen is, <laughs> we'll still we'll still do our job. But the toilet scene, come on! Yeah. I, I I I hear that people think that the toilet scene went on far too long, and I think it's just right. What do you think? No, I, I agree. And when, when I watched it again the other night, um, I wondered to myself, was this like one of the first examples of this kind of hot mic um, joke, you know, where somebody inadvertently, in this case, goes to the loo, um, you know, echoes around everyone and everyone picks up. And I think it probably is. Maybe there's a connoisseur of comedy yeah. tell me what it was very first done. But this is one of the first ones that I can recall. And and I think, therefore, it, it totally warrants its... Um, you know, it's extended scene and I think, it, I think it does get funnier. You know, it's a joke that's been done to death now and perhaps it loses its impact as a result of other people kind of copying it, essentially. But yeah, it was very, very funny. And uh, I remember watching this with my dad when I was younger and he, he killed himself laughing at that. Yes. That, that particularly tickled my dad. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I would say, um, if now that you put me to the test, the hot mic incident in MASH the movie uh, mm-hmm. in 1970, uh, where they put the movie underneath... Uh, Lieutenant Burns and uh, Hot Lips Hoolahan's tent as they're getting uh, nice and frisky, should we say, because I don't want to press the uh, explicit button on the podcast. But yeah, that's uh, that's incredible. MASH is one of my, well, it's all-time favourite series. I love the film. It's so horribly, horribly un-PC, but it's so good. Um, but that's Donald Sutherland and Elliot Gould for you. Um, so we've got the We've got the docks, you know, they go down to the docks to investigate. Um, I like 
Frank, should we take a dinghy? No, I went at the uh, I went at the press conference. I I just assumed that meant that I'd been for a wee. I mean, even though I didn't know what that meant at that time, it's just, but it's just great. You, you you're with it. You just think it. Well, I might not get the joke, but I get the spirit of the joke. Um, but you got the first example of nothing to see here. The the, the <laughs> cop with a loud hailer to, to, to two people that are just <clears throat> looking out. Um, but that, that that scene, um, I think you're referring to there. There was a number of because um, I'm a big fan of The Simpsons. Obviously, not anymore, not these days. But the early stuff, you know, up to about season thirteen, hmm. that just classic, you know, brilliant. Um, Deep Space Homer. Yeah, yeah. But there's, but I think watching this, there are a number of jokes in Make a Gun, which then feature in um, episodes of Simpsons to the extent that they are, they must be the Simpsons writers paying homage to the Naked Gun, which obviously came came first and uh, and that that was one of the nothing nothing to see here while meanwhile in the background there's dramatic stuff happening and there's, yeah. Uh, there are yeah there are scenes we'll get to um in it as well, well but yeah, which are of, which are now famous memes which are just everywhere on twitter okay yeah, yeah. well i didn't know the people who kind of picked up on on that connection as well but yeah i, I thought you know obviously the the genesis of naked gun is is the like disaster movies of the 70s like uh Air, airport airplane and then naked gun pastiche and something like and then The Simpsons. So I just think the way that influences great comedy writing later on is another kind of positive thing about The Naked Gun. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think uh, I think Matt Gurning, who did uh, The Simpsons, said that he was, a, he was a great admirer of this of this type of film. And I think, obviously, The Simpsons came out, was it 89? Did it come out a year later? Yeah, and the first couple of seasons, obviously, not quite the same. But yeah, once it found its stride, I think you can definitely see reference in it explicitly. Some of the, the naked oh, girls. I, I think the family therapy scene in season one is uh, <laughs> is brilliant. But, but speaking of, speaking of com- brilliant scenes, though, uh, this bit that we're at now in the film at the dockside again when they return has just got an absolutely legendary. One of my old favorite parts of the whole film is that interaction between Frank and the foreman, where Frank's trying to bribe some information. The master, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Master, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. And it and it and it reverses and it pivots so that he's feeding uh, Frank money to um, get insight to what's going on with the case, the extent he has to borrow some money only to probably hand it back over to him. I mean, that that writing is is just incredible. And, and the you scene spot me a twenty. But, but but at this stage, you know, if you haven't laughed out loud at this stage of film um a number of times, and particularly this scene, I think that is the point to probably give up because it's just not really the right film for you. But yeah, this is uh is this gold, about the time you talked right. gave up, by the way. She might be, yeah, but possibly around me. I think at this stage when I was laughing and, uh, and uh, <laughs> trying to compose myself to write some notes, uh, I got a look of withering contempt from Isabel and she walked out the room to do something uh, <laughs> more interesting. So, yeah, but brilliant, brilliant writing. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, then we cut to, obviously, he he's uh, he fi- finds some clues that lead him to uh, the, the ship was registered uh, to Victor Ludwig. So he goes to Ludwig's office. Um, we've got the, the the bit with the fish tank with the Japanese uh, fighting fish worth $20,000 and the pen that was given to him by Emperor Hirohito, um, as he pronounces it, uh, which is uh, um, unbreakable. Um, that I mean, without dwelling too much on the scene, I just think Ricardo Monk, the, the the bit in that montage of where he ends up spiking the fish because he's trying to, he puts the pen in the fish tank again. It's quite slapstick, but not as good as the the, the scene to come. Um, you then have 
the, the fish ends up biting him on the nose. And he goes, do you think, do you think? And he goes, yeah. He goes, oh, you, you bet he does. And he's looking the other way. It's perfect. It's great. And both of them play it absolutely perfectly. Uh, and my, my, notes, my notes at this point is um, just Leslie Nielsen, a great physical comic, comic actor, because a lot of this is about the writing, the jokes that we've talked about, the verbal dexterity. But, but here, you're right, it's physical humour and physical comedy yeah. is second to none. And the way that um, the other actor kind of is the straight man to that is, yeah, as you say, just a really, really funny scene. Absolutely. We're introduced to uh, Priscilla Presley, who's supposed to assist Frank Drebin, chief, seductively walks down the stairs, falls down the stairs, um, gives him the look, <laughs> bumps into bumps into the post. He's uh, instantly infatuated with her. Um, she's got she's had the kind of breasts that say, "Hey, look at me," <laughs> and legs he could suck on for a week. Um, it's it's great, um, but then you get. I think we both agree that one of the best lines in the film and the, the film that the lines that people remember is uh, when she's in the, uh, the attic in the stairs and he shouts up. What's he shout up? Nice beaver. <laughs> Thanks. I've just had it stuffed. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Um, I, I, I don't genuinely, I, I spoke to when I speak to people about naked gun, they're convinced that's in the second one. I'm like no, no, it's always it's always been in the first one, and it's one that people, I think, remember. Um, he invites her out for Viking food, uh, which I thought was great. Do you, do you like Viking food? Um, I do. I do like one of my favourite lines. Um, uh, how about I don't know if it was this. I don't know when I noted it. And I said, how about a rain check? Well, no, let's just stick to dinner. Um, it's great. You've also got. Oh, go on, here it comes. Because twice you've built up to a great line. I think he's going to do it this time, and, and you've chosen the beaver one and the rain check line. But my favourite from this scene. Go on. Is your favourite? Uh, is it Priscilla Presley? Is it that interaction? Um, oh no, another one. No, it's when he's offered a cigar. That's oh, sorry. Name. Yeah, Cuban. <laughs> <laughs> no Dutch. Was it Dutch Irish? My dad was from. My father was from Wales. Yeah, that's brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. Um, my, 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 that's not my favourite line. I have got, I have got a favourite line, and, it, and it's the simplest one. But I, I just find myself there's not, there's probably not a month I would say that doesn't go by without me experiencing something and then thinking of the line. So yeah, there you go, a little trailer for for what's coming shortly. Um, but Ricardo Montalban Ludwig says you need to uh, get to know him. Um, a little bit more, so stick close to him. So basically, orders her to to get to know him uh, more. Um, that's where you get back to police headquarters. Uh, you have the runaway car scene, which I thought was good. Did anyone get the license plate? And uh, <laughs> it's his car that the airbags have gone off in. Um, and then we get to the part that you were talking about with the reoccurring characters from uh, Police Squad, uh, which is the same character from Police Squad. Um, and it's the Q star character that. Uh, what what inventions did he come up with? You remember the? Uh, He's got the anti graffiti wall, hasn't he? Yes, he has. Yeah, yeah. The Swiss Army shoe, which is particularly <laughs> uh, deadly. Um, but h- hilariously, the, uh, the the cufflinks which um, fire a knockout dart, and then he, he tests it out. Let's test it on Ed. He says with glee in his voice, <laughs> as the dart thuds <laughs> into his neck. <laughs> 
why? Uh, <laughs> yeah, really funny scene. He'll be up and about in no time as he's on the floor. Uh, anyway, the insinuation is that Nordberg is is, um, is somehow in on this, so he has 24 hours to clean Nordberg. Um, you then cut back to Ludwig's office, where uh, he has a plot. He is going to be involved in a plot to kill the Queen. He starts talking about it with a, a foreign financer who's going to pay him to assassinate the Queen, um, called Papschmier. Um And he ends up having a device where he clicks on it, and it hypnotizes people against their will. They don't know they're doing it. He hypnotizes his secretary. Um, his secretary, by the way, was played by um, uh, Jerry Sucker's mum, which uh, I didn't think was worthy of putting in. <laughs> do, do, do you remember his secretary? Um, but yeah, so so you know the device that's that's, that's going to be used. That same device, Drebin gets to the hospital to see Nordberg. Um and to talk to him uh, to find out that the police uh, people have been ordered away seemingly by him. He knows there's something wrong, but the doctor has been activated to kill um, OJ Simpson. So before we get into the after bit of that, it's a nice, it's a nice plot device, isn't it? That very Manchurian candidate that. Uh, no, no, definitely. And this is why I think it is a superior film and superior to some of the stuff Leslie Nielsen did for money later on in his career, because it's, you know, there is a plot to it. There's a you know they, they retain the integrity of the plot. The that that scene in Ludwig's office is a fairly straight delivered scene. You know, it's one of the few that isn't just packed with with gangs, and it does move the plot forward. And things which are brought up in that film do repeat later on. So it's not just a series of kind of slapstick gags going from one to the next. Actually, there's there's some plotting there. But that said, you are never really too far between hilarious kind of set piece uh, opportunities either. Absolutely, absolutely. But. Uh... The Doctor fails. I don't know why I laugh at this every time, and I ended up laughing out loud, despite the fact when you watch it on your own, I think it's always it's easier to laugh when you're in a when you're in a crowd. But if you laugh on your own, it's really funny. Why do I find it funny that the pillow he's trying to smother Nordberg with, he throws at Drebin, and Drebin treats it like a face hugger from Alien? And why is that funny? I don't know why that's funny. I'd love to know how much that was improvised and how much that was kind of scripted. But it, yeah, again, you know, he throws a pillow at him. It'd be dead easy just to throw it away. But yeah, he turns it into this kind of hilarious five minute or five second interval. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's the world's deadliest weapon. Yeah. <laughs> and it makes and it makes you laugh. Anyway, um the doctor, we've got the we've got the chase uh from the doctor, where again you talked about John Hausman, um, is the driving instructor to a learner driver. Um, it's great, uh, you know. It, it's just we've got we've got this, you know, the the chase scene. Um, she then, well, I've forgotten what her name was. Um, Stephanie. Stephanie. Stephanie learns how to flip off or they produce the bird <laughs> to the truck driver uh, that gets it away. But then Frank Drebin's like, "Step on it, Stephanie. We've got to catch him." Um, the doctor driving the car hits. Well, it looks like a nuclear missile at some point, but uh, he ends up in a series of things, hitting things. Eventually, he gets to the firework factory. That's when the fireworks go off. That's where the famous meme is. Frank Drebin with his back to the fireworks factory going, nothing to see here, 
Yeah, that's right. Think. No, no, I got it wrong there. I thought I think that, yeah, I got my timing wrong. But yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it goes on a petrol tanker, intercontinental ballistic missile, is he, and then into a firework factory. <laughs> and he's dispersed, dispersed, nothing to see here. Meanwhile, there's absolute carnage. Yeah, people, carnage. People, people coming out on fire. <laughs> and uh, anyway, um, after all of that, he goes back home to find Priscilla Presley's let herself in. She's uh, boiling a pot roast. Um, and asks him how hot and wet he likes it. So this is not just sticking sticking close by to him and watching his actions. This is pretty much moving in. Um, what do you think of this scene? My favourite bit is the... I love the interaction between them, you know, the seductive thing, but my favourite line is, do you mind if I just slip into something more comfortable? And uh, he comes back when the... Uh, the uh, the, the sort of uh, lounge lounge suit on, which I thought was wonderful. That's 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 the kind of thing, uh, and a really good sight gag. Um, my my favourite, yeah, it's funny. And um, my my favourite part of that that scene though is the is the exchange where he's describing um, what happened to his pre- his ex wife, and he said, uh, "It's the same old story. Boy finds girl, boy loses girl, girl finds boy." Boy forgets girl. Boy remembers girl. Girl dies in tragic blimp accident over the Orange Bowl on New Year's Day. Good year. No, the worst. <laughs> Just, <laughs> fantastic. Um, yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Um, we have the the famous. Um, I've got I've got these I've got these photographs. And she's like I was young. I needed the work. Um, we have this interaction between them. We have the famous sex scene. So if you don't, you know, if you remember the nice beaver, you remember them dressed up at the end of it in big latex condom-like coverings um, with that. And then goes into the montage. Come on, the montage. We've got uh, Herman's Hermits uh, with something good. Um, it's great. It's It's wonderful. My favourite bit is where they... Get, come out the cinema laughing, laughing out loud, and you see that they're just mincy platoon. <laughs> and, uh, and the montage is supposed to take place over a single day, isn't it? You know, it's yeah. almost like they're spending weeks together falling in love, but they, yeah, they go to the cinema, they get tattoos, go to a rodeo, rodeo, run along the beach, <laughs> along the beach in clothesline, another couple. Really <laughs> uh, fantastic. Absolutely. It's, um, and then at the end, you get the uh, Herman's Hermits, something good. The Naked Gun soundtrack. You get the uh, the old MTV bit in the background, which I thought was a nice touch. Um, the bit where they he's now having doing a stakeout um, at Ludwig's, uh, and he breaks oh, into but, his but, office. But, but sure, no, that previous scene. We've got to finish with the the line. Can I interest you in a nightcap? Thank you. I don't wear them. <laughs> not, <on every> <laughs> <laughs> not as good. Not as good as the. Uh, um, as I say, let's just stick to dinner. Uh, that's where I think the rain check line might have been. But um, breaking into Ludwig's office, we have the perfect slapstick. And this is my favourite line of the film. So he's looking through everything. He opens the drawer and goes, bingo. And just lifts up a bingo card. That is my favourite gag. I, because I, every time somebody says, I mean, it's not really in use anymore. It's a bit like the word knackered. Nobody kind of uses it anymore or bonk. Um, but, you know, it's so well done and it's so well delivered that I just think when I think of something, I just think 
Oh yeah, yeah, bingo. All right, make it gun. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm in it. But, but with whole, this, is, this is, is the great. whole the whole scene is the most perfect slapstick. Um, the piano, uh, the self playing piano, which provides the soundtrack and the accompaniment to it, is just whoever thought. As I say, whoever thought of that in the writing, take a bow because that's just a great scene. Um, you also have the he's catching vases. Um, it doesn't stop. He has to go outside. He sees Ludwig coming back. He has to go outside. He's he's grabbing on. There, there are, you know, there are bare-breasted, you know, uh, statues outside that he's grabbing onto. But he grabs onto real breasts of the woman that's uh, got a window open, looking there. That's not the funniest bit. The no, no, well, this is why it's such statue. a great scene, though. Yeah, yeah, because you're right. Well, it, it, it starts from the bingo bit, and then it's this disastrous kind of escalating series of mishaps, which you're going to reveal that he's been in the apartment. And, and you know, <laughs> it's very, very funny. And then, you know, just to defy your expectations, when you think, right, move to a different scene, he's out on the ledge, dicing with death, grabs the woman by the breast, but there are also some male... Uh, <laughs> male, uh, yeah. male statues there, as, as becomes apparent. Um when he's drunk, when he's holding on to it and dragging himself up with his mouth open, as she looks out the window, <laughs> she fades. He manages to make it in. He's kind of he's kind of dazed. He makes it in with this. Uh, uh, well, it's it is a stone dildo, <laughs> and she and she just screams and collapses. And uh, it's oh, it's a wonderful scene. Um, it's the the. the the fact that nobody, I mean, this is where you've got to suspend disbelief. Nobody's pressing charges on this. You know, there's nothing, you know, we, the next scene is he, you cut to the mayor. The mayor doesn't believe them. Um, whenever I think of an interaction with the mayor, I'm sorry to break break the, the, the rule that we had. But in Naked Gun Two and a Half, whereas, do you realise this city's overrun by baboons? And he says, don't you think that's the fault of the voters? <laughs> it's just... Reminds me of that. That's where I would have thought this line would be, um, and it isn't. It's in the second one. Um, that's just so good. Um, but, but, but you're right. They don't press charges, but he does get a dressing down from the mayor, doesn't he? Yeah, but, he does get a dressing down. And you think, well, how long? He gets taken off the um, the case. He's no longer in charge of uh, protecting the queen. Um, Jane visits the flat. Uh, uh, they... Hang on, though. Are we, are oh, we, okay. Are we, are we not so going well. to do the interaction between the mayor and uh, Frank when he's getting his dressing down? Uh, so, Drebin, I don't want any more trouble like you had last year on the south side. Understand? That's my policy. Yes, well, when I see five weirdos dressed in togas stabbing a guy in the middle of the park in full view of 100 people, I shoot the the, the bad words. Yeah. That's my policy. <laughs> it was a Shakespeare in the Shakespeare Park, park. with Julius Caesar, you moron. You killed five <laughs> actors. Good ones. Yeah. Very, very good. Oh, yeah. See, I've got you to do all the all the the the, the, the lines that I've just written a little uh, little bit on, but then haven't elaborated. So, thank you for for doing that. See, see, Amanda. I know you're still listening. This is prep. <laughs> this is what prep looks like. Um, she'll shout at me for that, but okay. Um, uh, Jane visits, tells him Ludwig wants to meet. Um, there's, it's a bit of an ambush. In there, the guy ends up. I love the fact that the guy's trying to talk to him. He shoots his weapon. I can't hear you if you're shooting, shooting your gun. Um, the guy ends up falling in a a, a vat of, well, you believe toxic waste, but that that makes an appearance 
presumably a couple of days later. I don't know how that works, but we'll get to that bit in a moment. Um, but he knows that he's been set up and he knows that there's something wrong. He knows that the plot to kill the queen is real um, and he needs to do something about it. Uh, despite the fact that he's tried to raise it with everyone. Uh, he's banned from not being able to attend, but he does go to the reception the queen's having uh, with presumably all the, the, the local um, dignitaries. Uh, I like the fact that when he gets to the hotel, there's a sign saying Queen's Queen's reception that way. And the other one was the Lipschitz bar mitzvah, which was in the other room. <laughs> Amazing. Um, but he's the, the the Queen. What did we think about the scene with the Queen? Do we think it was a t- tantamount to an act of an act of war? Ah, you mean as a patriotic British person? <laughs> I uh, I could see the funny side. Put it put it that way. Yeah, I um, yeah. There's 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 some great great lines in there, weren't they? When he walks in and Montblanc sees him, Trevon, Frank, you're both both right. right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and when he when he accidentally searches his own partner, Eddie's got a picture of your wife. <laughs> <laughs> Smack. Yeah, he got a gun and he's taking taking his own thing. Um, I like the uh, the nice touch with cutting the queen's cake and put, <laughs> putting the cake through her throat. Very nice, thank you. We, you know, uh, we, we we have helped each other out in the, in world wars. I thought we could uh, could avoid all of this, but uh, but no. Um, the problem with the and and I really should have taken particular attention to this. But this is the bit, the interaction that he has with Jane. Please tell me that you've written some of that down. At the reception? No, just the, um, no, go on. Which, no, no, I can't, I, I didn't write it down. It's more like, you know, um, I know you're lying, schnooky cakes and all this sort of thing. And, oh, it's, it, it is. And I should have written it down. And I, I apologize, listeners, because I, I should have done, because I, I, I really do like that bit. But yeah, um, he thinks that uh, Ludwig is going to kill, but Ludwig has a ceremonial gun he'd like to present to the Queen. <clears throat> Frank ends up going in front of the royal trumpets that are playing, I assume. Um, it gets deafened him, it confuses him, he sees Ludwig. Um, he ends up uh, uh, grabbing the Queen, uh, and they, they go down a table. Uh, he looks up, the Queen looks down. That's the picture that makes the papers the next day. Um, in any other time or place, in or in reality, um, that would be ambassadors recalled from company <laughs> companies and uh, and a, a YouGov poll showing ninety one percent of Britons want to go to war with the with the US. I, I like the way, or at least do trade sanctions or something. Or... I like the way Ed tries to console him with the line. Uh, you're laying there with the Queen's legs wrapped around you and they call that news as if that would have been front page news around the entire world. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, he's kicked off the force. Um, but uh, he's 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 convinced that he needs to do something about this and he knows that the... How do, I can't remember. How does he figure out that the assassin is one of the... It's going to happen in the, in the seventh innings? I think Jane just Jane tells him that yeah. she over she she overhears that. Yeah, that, that that's right. But just to, in the process of getting kicked off the force, is that amusing scene as well, where he's going through all this stuff and uh, he says, "Hey, look at that! The missing evidence in the Kelman case. My God, he was innocent." And Ed turns around to him with an appalled look on his face and says, 
you went to the chair two years ago, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Anyway, we go to the baseball game, which is the uh, the focal point for the for the end bit. Uh, I do like the rednecks uh, sitting in the Queen's Queen's box. I thought that was a that was a nice touch. Uh, Frank has to search all the players, and he has to find a way in order to get onto the pitch. Um, so what does he do? He goes to the uh, um, the person who's going to sing the uh, the tenor. He's going to sing the uh, the uh, national anthem, Enrico Palazzo, um, which was a nickname of my friend in school or in college. Sorry about this time. Uh, and <clears throat> yeah, he ends up um, taking his clothes, walking onto the pitch in order to sing the uh, national anthem. That, 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 that's right. And he, and he butchers it appallingly, doesn't well, he? Well, see, this is the pit I've got to pick up with you because I, I think what you said at the start is when he's trembling with fear in the room full of everybody right at the start and it's got to him because he's so patriotic, it's funny, but why he'd know the national anthem inside out. Yeah. I know it's funny, but I think there's some bits that you think he'd know the national anthem. Uh, it is, but it, but it does tee up that gag where the real Enrico Palazzo is hogtied on a chair and he's absolutely <laughs> livid because uh, his name is flashing up underneath this absolutely horrible rendition of the American National Anthem, thus destroying his professional reputation. So, yeah, yeah you're we right. Did, absolutely. We did think it's funny that he goes, some some bombs some bombs in the air instead of bombs bursting in air. I just thought, some, some bombs in the air. That's... <laughs> Wonderful. Sorry, our American friends, but yeah, that's incredibly funny. Um, <clears throat> then you get a montage of uh, um, do you, do, the montage of when he's the the umpire. So he manages to go back in, uh, take one of the umpires out, and dress with one of the umpires' masks on. Um, and that's where we get the, uh, the the montage of him trying to frisk players. Um, now, for our American. I, I I don't know, and I assume, having watched like a League of Your Own and things like that, that there's a lot of spitting at uh, baseball games, and that's why it's funny. It's because the players' wives are, are doing it as well. And I think I think it's specifically tobacco, chewing tobacco. Rather, Is it? Rather than just okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, thanks. We we have our US expert here, so yeah, thank you. That's uh, very good. Um, we've got a the, the Queen's been served hot dogs and she she, just, she takes a hot dog didn't she but also the mayor takes the or ricardo montalban has a hot dog and he finds a finger in it which he's supposed to think is the guy that just went in the vat two days ago because he's got the ring on i, I think that is the, the joke yeah so i think right. it must have been a scene that was cut perhaps at least that a little bit better because it was it was a bit random that wasn't it but i quite like that i don't think the queen actually consumes a hot dog i think the kind of whole joke about the queen is she's clearly appalled to be at, the, in, at this game having this experience isn't she, she kind of, <laughs> yeah the actress does does you know, portrays her quite well doing that oh absolutely um and here's the thing that's disappointing i think that my friend alex listens to selective podcasts um and you'll you you'll meet him uh at my birthday uh but the i, I played a music quiz of uh the, the round was uh famous famous places uh, you know, the places in the title. So we had Budapest by George Ezra. We had One Night in Bangkok by Murray Head. Um, and I played Randy Newman, I Love LA, which is the montage where he's frisking everyone. 
Um, I think it's a wonderful song. And I looked at it and Alex looked at me and went like a perplexed look on his face. I'm like, well, it's the place. What about a film that you and I watched together the first time? It's kind of like, didn't get, didn't remember it. It didn't, it didn't slot in. And I'm like, it, it doesn't matter how long ago, I Love LA, it's from Naked Gun. Oh my goodness. I'm, I'm now starting to think I might have to brush up ahead of your birthday party. Oh, no, I think you'll be no a, a, that. Yeah. a connoisseur. Well, no, but I mean, he should have got it because, you know, the Randy, the Randy Newman bit is, well. Solidarity to Alex, that's, that's what I say. Oh, well, okay. If you are listening, there, there you go. You've got a friend. Um, well, we're all friends. Um, December 4 from the dugout, I thought was a nice one. Um, the the you know the sort of Morse code and then the uh, the the flags very nice nice hark back to airplane where the guy with the discs directing where where do I go I'll just put it over there the plane goes through the uh, the passenger <laughs> lounge um, but you've got the the, the 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 assassin can't be activated until they're they're at, the, the, uh, they're out the end of the the end of the innings so basically frank does everything he can they throw balls up in the air to confuse them um we've got this scene where he's like you're out of here to to another base but you know he's actually throwing the ball himself in order to make sure this doesn't happen uh meanwhile in all this confusion while it's happening because it ends up into a fight the assassin is activated and it is one of the people that he hasn't searched um Frank manages to make it out just as the assassin is about to strike. I must kill the queen. Um, he goes to his cufflinks, hits the dart. Then what happens? Takes out a, um, a woman, doesn't in the in the upper tier, <laughs> who, uh, particularly who, particularly large woman. Yes. Well, I wasn't going to make that comment, but yeah, um, and uh, yeah, and she takes out the um, the baseball player, doesn't she? Yeah. Thus saving the day, and to the great acclaim of the crowd who. Cheer their new hero, uh, Enrico Palazzo. Hey, uh, that's right. For his, for his work, yeah. And you notice the credits. Did you notice the credits? Um, whereby yeah. the, I mean, they always put things in the credits, and we're not going to, we're not going to go and mention them. Um, but one of them is instead of putting guy in guy in crowd, and then the actor's name, they put what they say. So there is a okay. there is a credit, and when you go on IMDb, IMDb follow the same thing. They put the lines and you can click on it and see the, the person that said it. But yeah, Heret Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo is, is a great line. Um, unfortunately, uh, it's not over. Um, despite the uh, assassin incapacitated, um, uh, Drebin um, uh, follows uh, Ricardo Montalban. He uses the dart again, uh, hits him in the neck and he goes, oh, you've killed him. No, 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 I've just stunned him. Um, he topples over the side of the building. Um, I love the car hitting him, the bus hitting him, <laughs> the uh, the steamroller hitting him, and finally the marching band walking over his flat flat corpse. Um, unfortunately, one of the people um, the people in the band activates the final revenge that he's going to uh, perform, which is to activate Jane to kill Frank Drebin. Um, what do you think of that scene? Uh, it's, it's brilliant. Um, I thought that the, I mean, the, the the death scene where he goes over and all these things roll over, and that that's it. That's explicitly referenced. I know which line you're going to say. The, the line yeah. I've missed out. But go on. 
but that's how Sideshow Bob gets uh, gets his comeuppance in one of the episodes of The Simpsons as well, clearly an homage to that. But um, yeah, when Ed's witnessed this um, the steamroller and the marching band go over him, it's this so horrible. It's so horrible. My father went the same way. <laughs> <laughs> the unlikely set of circumstances that would make that happen twice. Yes, yeah, so that's uh, that's very good. Um, yeah, and then as you say, the uh, the kind of second finale when Frank declares his love for to Priscilla Presley's character and, and talks her out of, of of that. That's that's lovely. Um, and everyone's embracing, hugging. You know, it's a real feel good moment. You've got. Uh, hardened baseball pros hugging one another and Jews and Arabs coming yeah. together. And uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, re- really amusing. It and then, is. of course, the, the absolute finale is when Norberg re- makes his triumphant return, bruised and battered. That's right. So it was welcome back and he slaps him on the back and you see him trundle down the stairs as they're talking in the foreground. Again, it's just perfectly done. And that, my friend, is the end of the film. The only sad thing for me was that they didn't take a leaf out of the police squad way of ending their episodes when they did a everyone did a fake freeze screen at the end and they were yes, all just hold that's themselves. right, yeah, yeah, on police squad. That was that was perfect, yeah. If only they'd done that for Naked Gun, but anyway, still a classic ending to a classic film that maintains its pace and level of funniness all, all the way through the through the movie, yeah, absolutely. Um, the best of the three, I think we do will agree, despite the fact that I, you know. Um, we'll go back and watch the other two now. Um, from memory, that the 33 and a third was all about the Oscars. So there were, by that time, there were lots of people waiting to queue up to to be in the, uh, the, the Naked Gun films. And that's the sort of testament to it. He might have made some poor choices. Uh, he might not have had much of a, uh, um, you know, a sort of opportunity. Because if you think about it, if he died in 20, 2010 um, and he was 84, then it really would be taxing for him to to be in um, when we talked about scary movie three and four and things like that. You know, those are I, I, from memory. I think they're like 2002 and 2004, something like that. So um, yeah. Uh, great. We, we definitely, I think we're def- definitely on the right side of this. And I think we proved with, with uh, certainly our memories and the things that we focused on is that there's, there's loads that we missed out and, if if quite incredulously, if you've got to the end of this podcast and you've never seen it, I, I promise you we haven't spoiled it for you. We you know we might have mentioned some of the gags. Uh, our delivery is nowhere near as good as the, the the people in the film. Go please go and watch it. Um, I believe it's available on Amazon Prime at the moment, and I think number two is as well. Um, so yeah, uh, just just go and check it out. Um, how will this compare to the the other film that we're going to do, Police Academy? I don't know. Well, my comment here would be: I knew I was going to love Naked Gun. As I said, I see it fairly regularly, at least you know once every couple of years. Um, and whenever it's on, I'll just I'll sit down and watch it. If I find it halfway through, you can just enjoy it. Mm. Police Academy, I really remember enjoying uh, when it came out, and indeed I enjoyed the sequels. And I know they're considered to be less fair, uh, but you know I I like them. But I haven't seen Police Academy for a long time. I'll be really interested to go back to that and see, is it still as funny? Because I'm not sure if it will be. And how well has it aged? And there's a part of me that thinks it might not have done. So I'd be kind of intrigued as to whether I... I knew I'd love Naked Gun. Police Academy is a slightly different uh, kettle of fish. Uh, See, I I hope you're going to be on the same page as me. I think it it still holds up. 
Ah, okay, okay. But, well, but but you know, we'll we'll get to that bit when it. I'm not. I don't think it's a you know, as as racist as this. It's it's a different kind of film. Um, but yeah. So you coming back on for for the any other Zucker films that we do? You are coming back on? Yeah. I'll I'll come on to this to this show to watch any film that you ask me to do. Whether it's a Star Wars classic, like a, I've been, I've been pretty lucky, really. I've done, you've invited me on some films with the exception of Real Genius that I've really liked. But even Real yeah. Genius was a good experience of a new film yeah. that I haven't discovered. So, um, yeah, and anytime you and your listeners want to have me on, as long as the feedback isn't too horrific, uh, I'll be, uh, I'll be back. Yeah. No, I, I love having you on. As, as I said, I, you know, I love, I love having Joe on. Joe, you know that I do. We, we chat all the time about it. I've been on yours. I know. I know I'm going on your podcast this weekend um, to talk about the book of Boba Fett. Um, so if you are interested in my thoughts on that, um, I rant. I rant an awful lot. I don't rant on this podcast as much. As soon as I get invited on the Disney podcast, yes, I, I rant. Um, only because I'm unhappy. I'm a Star Wars fan that feels like they're being let down. Um, paraphrasing. But anyway, that's... Go, go and listen by all means. If you if you want to know where to find it, if you can't find it, it's called Nerd Alert. It's part of the WDWNT uh, podcast. I have great fun doing that with Joe and Federer and Jack when it can be bothered. Um, uh, that's not a slur. It's fine. Jack Jack's pretty useless on that. But anyway, um, I, as I say, I love having people on, and, and there's part of me that would like, if any listeners would would like to be on it, you're not going to take anybody's spot. You're not going to take anybody. We'll just accommodate it. We'll just find some time. If you if you feel strongly about a particular film, that's something that you'd like to do, and you'd you'd just like to have a chance of coming on on the podcast, you are more than welcome. I, I will I'll tell you now, and I don't think you'll mind me saying it, but when Dom was a bit of a bag of nerves before we did Nightmare on Elm Street, because he hadn't done a podcast before, and like now you listen you listen back you can't you can't tell anything like that at all it, it it just comes it just comes naturally trust me so if you do want to do it you're more than welcome and you wouldn't be putting anybody out um unless it's a film that amanda really really likes but as we as as you've taken five seasons to sort out um she really doesn't know her 80s film so i don't think you unless it's unless it's dirty dancing which she won't give up for anybody um i think she wanted to do flash dance at some point i can't i haven't watched flash dance since about 84 so i remember it being all right um i'm not going to ask your opinion Tom. Do, do you have an opinion on do, do you have an opinion on dance movies no, I mean, no that's a funny funny way to end the podcast but any any particular favorites not a huge fan but i think you have to point out that both dirty dancing and flash dance are both considered Classics and do have a pretty big cultural legacy as well. Absolutely, um, so, that's his footloose. Yeah, I think you. Can, I think you can. Something can be not your cup of tea, but you can still kind of appreciate why other people like it. And that's how I feel about those films. Whereas maybe something like The Naked Gun, if it's not your cup of tea, you end up probably really don't like it. And maybe that's how Amanda and my daughter feel about it. But uh, <laughs> would I sit through Dirty Dancing or Fast Dance if Beth wanted to? I probably would. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, don't worry, you're not going to be asked to review it when we get to season eight dance, you know, <laughs> dancing in the cinema. Uh, we've got plenty to pick from. I've already earmarked John Travolta in Staying Alive. Nobody's going to like that film. <laughs> but my God, man, we're going to do it. Um, but yes, anyway, um, Don, lovely to have you. Um, again, l- love some listener feedback. Um, 
with well, I, I think everyone that comes on the podcast, I don't think we've done a bad podcast. I think we've done bad films. I think we covered Prancer, and I again, I know we keep bringing that up, but I never, ever, ever want to see that film again. I, I really would rather lie on a bed of nails and somebody pressing hard down on me than having to watch that film again. It is that bad. If we de- if we had done scores, I talked with the family because uh, Amy joined us on that one um, and said we would have given it zero. There is there is nothing. There is nothing about that film. It, 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 you can't really acknowledge the director. It is. Anyway, right. There we go. Uh, anyway, right. So I'm going to say goodbye. So, farewell, Charles. Farewell, listeners. Cheers, Dom. Nice one. Cheerio, everyone.